Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Oral Health Podcast. Today's episode is slightly different as it has actually been recorded by a charity that we've been working with called Maggie's. Today we are going to be bringing you Jim's story. So Jim was diagnosed with mouth cancer after his dentist noticed two white spots as a result of a routine checkup. He recently sat down with a cancer support specialist at Maggie's to share with us his mouth cancer story. So Maggie's, if you aren't aware, is a charity which provides free cancer support and information in their centres across the UK and abroad with more planned for opening in the future. This support can include managing practical things such as helping with money worries and emotional support through one-to-one sessions with professional staff and support groups. So you can find out a little bit more about them at maggies.org. We're very grateful to Maggie's and Jim for working with us and we hope that you find Jim's story as eye-opening as we did. Can we start by, can you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? My name is Jim. I'm a recovering mouth cancer patient uh, who is a member of Maggie's Head and Neck Cancer Support Group. And I'm here today to speak about what happened to me and how things are today. Great, thank you. Um, so can you tell us about your initial diagnosis with my initial diagnosis of mouth cancer happened as a result of visiting my dentist for the normal checkup. This dentist noticed two white spots in the floor of my mouth and said, hmm, they might need a further look at. I'll recommend that you go to the hospital and have them looked at. However, that didn't happen in about three or four weeks down the line. I contacted my GP and the GP said, oh, nobody's given me any word about it. I'll contact the hospital. 
And I contacted the Monklands Hospital and they had me in one Friday evening, half past seven at night, which made me think they suspect something. And sure enough, I landed in Monklands Hospital, half past seven at night, three doctors sitting behind this, and the lead doctor, Mr. Tatton, uh, asked me to open my mouth and sat down and says, um, it looks like mouth cancer. And then I just, I was totally, totally flummoxed, just totally shrunk. I didn't know what to say. And he says, don't worry, we'll see what we can do for you. For all story short, I was recommended to come in for a biopsy. Following Tuesday, only a space of four days, we took a biopsy and that was confirmed on the Friday that in fact I had mouth cancer. Uh, Mr. Catton then steamed me and said, we will have to get you in as soon as possible to do surgery. And they said, the surgery won't be light. There's quite a bit not to expect. Uh, within the space of a week, so that's all round in the space of about two weeks, two and a half weeks, from first being diagnosed, I was in the operating theatre. And they already knew and said to me, your teeth will have to come out. And I was aghast at that because then I went quite well, I did my teeth. And they said, well, you can take, we'll definitely have to take out the bottom set. So they took out my bottom set of teeth as part of the operation. An operation which lasted 13 hours. And when uh, I came out of the operation, I had no idea how far extent this operation had been. They had took out the teeth, they opened up the bottom of my tongue, pared the floor of my mouth. They had took out lymph nodes from my neck all the way down to my shoulders on either side. Um, they had opened up my arm and took a patch of skin out my arm all the way up and implanted it into my mouth and my tongue and then took a piece of my stomach and put it up the arm and patched it up as it is today. Um, recovery was long and tedious. The recovery took a couple of weeks in bed followed by fed from pegs and uh, drips and couldn't speak and literally it took months I had to go to classes to, to learn how to speak properly because of a swollen tongue. The tongue felt like a, it felt like an apple or a, a potato in your mouth. It was just solid. So recovery took a long time. I was very much helped in that by the staff at Monklands and various clinics. They also recommended that I visit the Maggie's Head Neck Cancer Support Group, who were wonderful. There is a group of people in here who have all been through similar experiences in myself. And speaking to them and hearing their stories and seeing their recovery, one of the first things that happened was meeting a woman who had been 15 years away from operation and that was a light that gave me hope, hope to see that there's a future after this, if she can get 15 years perhaps, maybe we can too. So that, that, that was how the recovery took.
obviously it's an ongoing thing. Nobody knows what's around the corner. The best thing is to, if you have any questions, to come to these groups. Recovery took a long time, you know. Even things like working man, I couldn't raise this arm beyond there. And it took a long time before I could actually extend it there. Some patients don't ever get the full motion again. I have. I've tried very hard to do exercise of all types. The speech has come back. It's not the end of the story in terms of things that don't happen because that surgery took place in 2015. Three years later, again, at the routine checkup, we spotted another couple of white spots in the bottom of my mouth. And I, I just spoke, I said, oh, it's back, it's caught up again. It turns out it was called severe dysplasia. And Mr. Catton says, we will try and laser that out. And that's what they did. They lasered it out because if left alone, that dysplasia can develop into full-blown cancer. But thankfully, it looks like they managed to get it out in time. But it was just a check, a reminder that you can never say 100% of care. You don't know what's out there in the future. Since then, till now, I've only had one further case of minor surgery. About two months ago, just over two months ago, I came to the Monkey's Hospital to have a bit of surgery on my tongue, this tongue flap that I have underneath. Inside it, there are tissues which work constantly 24 7. There's nerve endings or tissues inside the tongue, which are very annoying, for which I live with, but they can keep me up at night and keep me awake an hour at a time. And the surgeon, Mr. Walker, attempted to relieve some of that, so they cut into each side of my tongue to cut out the roots of some of this. The outcome isn't 100% because the nerves, the tissues are still there, but I feel as if there's less of them here than there were. So currently it's a case of just live again with what you have and let's see what's around the corner. So that's where I am today in terms of my own recovery. It's been a miss uh, not having the group for almost a full year. The group has got back together the past two months, so it's good you know, to get back to manage once a month for the meeting again. And it's just good to see the people, all my good friends, and hear how they are getting on and listen to their stories. And I'll be forever grateful that to those people for all the help. And there you are, that's me. Thank you. Um, gosh, that must have been a bit scary, the um, having those white spots again. What did that, yes. what, what did that do to, to you kind of emotionally, psychologically? Was that really not a very nice period, I imagine? It was very difficult. Um, again, thankfully, after, after the diagnosis of the spots, until such time as Mr. Carton came back with the result. There's only a space of seven to ten days. And they said to me, my biopsy shows that it's not full-blown cancer, it's what they call dysplasia. 
which was in the SIA dysplasia. And it comes in three grades. If you have what you call severe dysplasia, there's a very high chance that that could turn into full-blown cancer again. So I even looked at the original spots because I looked in the mirror at the whole mouth and I could see the two little white spots in the floor. They looked to be the same, but this time round there was no, no surgery in terms of cutting it in. It was removing that by laser. So after that, you know, I'm saying, is this it? And they said, well, we'll always have to keep checking. We'll have to keep coming back to the, the clinics to have your mouth kicked out to make sure there's no further recurrence of this. So that's now, that was 2018. So it's now 2021. Three years down the line, there's been no recurrence. So 2015 was my original surgery. Six years later, I'm still here. Uh, still have issues in that with the mouth, uh, of course, and uh, it's uh, a case of always having to check up, taking oral care on a daily basis, a sponge out the mouth. Um, every, uh, after every meal, I've got to clean the mouth out, make sure it's picked up. And I have my house. My wife now checks my mouth once a week, she has a look in it. Even, even when we see the clinic, clinician about once every six months or so now, we've got to come in to, to see uh, Mr. Walker and he sets up to see that in between times we have our own look at home and phone. If we ever see anything, we phone monkeys immediately and ask to be seen. And that's how, that's how it happens. So it's been a lot. It doesn't, it doesn't overwhelm my life, you know, it's just something I can live a full life. Uh, in terms of my actual social life, I'm a walker now. I do walk about three, four times, depending on the weather. I live a 10 to 15 kilometre walk three or four times a week. I've joined a walking group. I'm back playing my bagpipes. Um, although I'm not in the pipe band anymore, I've stepped down before. The recurrence of a display in 2018. I had been back playing in the full pipe band and competing again. But now I play for my own leisure, I play in the house. Maybe about twice or three times a week I'll have another association not playing the pipe. So between that and my walking, um, I used to go to the gym up before COVID. But COVID stopped uh, my gym because I used to do three or four hours a week. Uh, to the gym. That, that, that was all planned uh, to help me physically and mentally um, to get better, to, to try and stave away any recurrence of cancer. And that's how I live my life today. I, I have a good life, a good home life. I see family restricted now because of COVID. But, uh, I'm really pleased you're still pay, playing the bagpipes. Because that was going to be one of my questions. Yes, that's it. I've been playing them since I was aged 11 up till now. So 64, 64 years later, I'm still playing. I'm playing not too bad, actually. I might be dragging, but sound okay. It's good. I'm, I'm pleased with the standard. Um, 
So I still get my enjoyment out of it, I really do. I, I, I love this man's thing, you know, it's my hobby. Just to be able to do them, that sort of thing. Despite all that's happened, to still be able to, to play my pipe, it's marvellous, it really is. I joy out of it. I'm pleased for you. Can you take me back to when you were originally diagnosed? Um, I, I don't know what you think about this, but for me, I don't think there's a huge amount of awareness about mouth cancer. It's not one of those ones like breast or prostate or lung cancer where you hear quite a lot about it um, and you mm -hmm. kind of know the signs and you, you, it's kind of drummed into us as a society to know the symptoms. Um, can you take me back to kind of what went through your head when you were first told it might be mouth cancer and, and how you were feeling yeah. at that moment? As far as I knew, I had no idea what mouth cancer was. Just after stroke cancer, and people I had bone, or I do know who have stroke cancer, normally have symptoms of sore throats and lumps and that in the neck and things. With mouth cancer in my case, I had absolutely no symptoms, no idea I had anything to do with cancer or mouth cancer. I nearly went along to my dentist for my annual checkup, just to have my mouth looked at my teeth. And he spotted these two little spots. And it was, he never mentioned cancer or what it could be, it just says, hmm. Those two other spots, and it could be ulcers. Mm. Perhaps it needs further looked at. I'll put through a recommendation that the hospital examine me. And that was it. I came away from there with no, no issues in my head or no worries really, thinking, no, it's just a couple of ulcers, they, they will go away. But as I said, Matt, four weeks later, the hospital had contacted me, the doctor had contacted me. I don't know whether the follow-up from my dentist hadn't happened the way he said they would recommend it. To this day, I don't know if, if communication broke down there, but it was only myself. I, I, I sort of said, well, look at that. I never felt any pain. There was no issues in that in the mouth. And it was sending that to my wife. Have a look in my mouth and see if you can see it. And she says, oh, yes, you've got still there. And that's when I said, I really have to have a look at this. And that's when I phoned my GP and asked to see him and told him that four weeks prior to this I'd been to the dentist and that. And well, he ought to get him. And again, he never mentioned cancer. He just said, hmm, just to be sure that it's lasted this length of time. It was because of the length of time it lasted four weeks. But perhaps it was something more than just ordinary mouth ulcers and it's only then when I went to see Mr. Carton and McKean on that Friday, fateful Friday evening and he was honest and straight, he did not hide behind anything, he just came over and put his hand on the shoulder and he says, that's mouth cancer, I'm sure of it, but we'll have to double check it with a biopsy and I was stunned. I was flabbergasted. I could not speak. I, both myself and my wife had come away because she was in the room with me. And 
They'd come out silent. They'd hardly speak to one another. They didn't know what to say because this idea of cancer, this, this terrible word, you know, it frightens us. Um, the idea of having cancer and not knowing what stage it was. But it started my mind working overtime was I was a called in at half past seven on the Friday evening, a very unusual time, into a ward, not into a clinic, but up into a ward, into a side room with three consultants. So I had this main working overtime that's happening. As I said, thankfully, Mr. Carton had me back in in the space of a week and he told me to give me a biopsy. I had the biopsy on the following Tuesday and then back to see him on the Friday. So one week later, he had the results of that biopsy to confirm that it was mouth cancer. And they said to us, hopefully you have been caught very quickly. The problem is, given time it's rising, because of the type of cancer and the grade of cancer we have, it can spread very, very quickly. And therefore, we have to do some immediately. So I'm recommending you have oral surgery. And that's what it took off. It was only a case of him saying, you know, there are people who have been through this. You know, there's a centre called Myers, which I knew about because I'd already visited Myers through previous prostate cancer. So I did know on that about support groups and the benefits and that of them. But he had recommended support for that too, but very, very quickly I was in again and was basically another week I was in for surgery. And the rest of it was a case of this happened, you have to face up to it, you have to fight it and do the best you can, do everything in that to help the people who are helping you. And that was my mentality. So the face said to us, you know, you've got to watch and live, live a clean life and help yourself in every way, mentally and physically and also. I'll do that. You know, if people are fighting for my life, I've got to fight too. And that is my attitude. And um, if I can help others too, I can tell them what's happened to me and what the prospects are. My prospects are good. I'm six years of happy, loving a full life already behind me and I'm hoping there's plenty more to come. One of the things that strikes me whenever I speak to somebody who's gone through treatment for mouth cancer is how particularly invasive and awful the, the treatment tends to have to be. Um, you mentioned yourself 13 hour surgery that you, you needed to have speech therapy and, and be um, fed through a peg for a while. Um, were you were you shocked? The treatment was a shock. Mr. Carton, I believe, tried to explain prior to the operation um, how invasive it could be, but. That was only the tip of the iceberg as far as I'm concerned. Looking back upon it, uh, the surgery is mountainous, you know, loads of surgery. And it's all to do with the spread of cancer. It's cancer spreads through the body, through the, the lymph, 
system through the lymph nodes, lymph nodes carry it through the lymph around the body. And if the cancer escapes from its primary source, in this case, it falls down through, through, down and that into our organs throughout the body, it can go to the brain as well. So it, the surgery is an attempt in that to stop it from spreading if it has. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. That's my understanding of it. The subject to do that is really a lot. It's like so much in it. I had no idea. And without detailing it, Mr. Carton had been trying to give me a, an idea that it could be quite a bit. It did not explain the whole thing just how much it was. Things like cutting from ear to ear, you know, opening all this and taking bits out of them in their neck and having stitches all back up. And all, all that type of thing, and as I said, the lymph node system through all of this, there was so much in that removed absolutely moved um, and the recovery part of that, that's all to heal and it took months to heal uh, to start eating again. Part of the recovery in, in rural cancer too is the fact that when they have removed all their, all their teeth, number of persons with two throats, a full set of teeth, top and bottom, all my days I looked after my teeth and so the loss of my bottom set of teeth was a big deal. Uh, and thankfully, uh, I was sent in that to the dental hospital in Glasgow. They took up to two years attending this hospital to replace my teeth with this synthetic dressing set of implants. It's like tired on a couple of pillars. I've got this implanted set in the bottom. My eating ability is never, never as good as, as it was when with my natural teeth. I can now eat a good bit better. I still have limited foods, certain foods I can't eat, are too difficult for me to eat. To learn to eat again, as I said, for the first five, six months, uh, I wasn't being fed orally anyway. I couldn't actually pass food or any sort through my mouth. It was all in pegs and and things like that, fed from bottles, drips at night in my own house. Uh, but, but through that part, once I started eating again, you know, it was all soft foods like porridge, like mash and, and things like that. But uh, now I can sit down and eat full food, a full um, breakfast, lunch and uh, dinner, no problem. You, know, you can eat most foods. So that's all part of the learning process again. If you want to talk again, 
with going to eat again, uh, going to exercise again, there's all, all a real learning curve in the, the subject itself takes a long time to heal. I had no idea that oral cancer would have that, those implications, both from the subdomain and from the recovery. Sorry, sorry about the disruption there, Jim. There's four people in my house doing work, um, so I had to let them in while you were mid-talking. I didn't want to interrupt, but I was still listening, but apologies. Um, in terms of, you know, what you everything that you just said there about your treatment and the recovery. How important was it that you found a support group with similar people who'd gone through similar things and were kind of in, had experienced something that you'd experienced as well? How important was it to your recovery emotionally for you to have found that group? Very, very important. The importance of it is about 10 minutes, quarter of an hour, speaking to the consultant once every three months and then once every six months. And you can't possibly ask them all the questions or all the answers that you want. In between times, you're living from day to day and things pop up in your head concerning your mouth cancer and recovery extent. All sorts of issues worrying about occurrence. <coughs> In between times, if you've got a support group, you're all learning with people who have been there ahead of you and who have had the same issues or the same worries in your head. And you can talk to these people and they will tell you what happened to them or what didn't happen to them. We exchange stories, we exchange experiences, two experiences, speaking to the primary candidates the people in that who have had it. Um, I said earlier that about the first example ever I got was a, a lady who had been 15 years. She was the longest person alive recovering from oral cancer because you hear rumours and you read things on the internet about oral cancer being one of the deadliest and uh, limited time expectancy and but when you hear about somebody and meet this person uh, and they throw a chair and they turn around and say oh 15 years like, what 15 years and you say yes well if somebody had offered me 15 years and i took the hand off them and i grabbed that opportunity so it gives you this sense of she can do it perhaps i can do it so it's this, this um, what I think from a social point of view is we, we've had a couple of good outings in that with a, a head and support group. You know, we've been bus runs and that to, to various places and went out for meals together where we socialised and to see all these people so happy to have their lives back and their partners not with them. And the partners are immense, and the partners have been so supportive. I, 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 sat at, I sat at these meetings, and the beauty about the meetings is that it's not just the patients, as they're called, um, who are there, but the partners are there too, and we know each other. There's a mixture of partners who know each other, 
and they phone and socialise even when the, the meetings, even from home, will be on texting and telephones and Facebooks and stuff like that. So they keep in touch. They know what's happening. And we know when that if anything happens, one of our group, the rest are there to help. Over the years, unfortunately, we have lost a few members, tragically and Have any advice or words of encouragement for anybody who's recently been diagnosed with a mouth cancer? I would say if anybody has been diagnosed with mouth cancer recently, I would hope, I hope they have the strength and the will to proceed with whatever structure is, uh, is recommended for them. I do think, from my own point of view, that I know there are radiotherapy treatments for certain things, um, but that's that's a local that's a local thing. If you have been recommended for surgery, if they said to you it's surgery, and they said go ahead with it, most of the people I know who have survived and who are surviving. Fortunate enough not to be offered the surgery. I think surgery is only offered when we know that there is a chance that the cancer can be contained in that to the overall area and that it's not spread into secondary places. And if that is the case, the point is, as quick as it can be done, we've got to say, yes, please do it now and take that opportunity and look. Look at the people who are living full lives because they took that route. They cannot ignore that. They cannot waste time or pretend it's not hurting me, so it'll go away. It doesn't go away. It's got to be it's got to be faced up to. That's that's how I see it. And I would urge anybody in that to do the same. Yeah. Would you recommend any kind of support that's out there for people who are going through a diagnosis and treatment? Well, anyone who has a diagnosis, one, they've, they've got to, to ask the doctor to, to recommend that they be seen by a novel cancer unit specialist, such as they have here at Monkland's Hospital. My initial man that I met, Mr. Crafton, you know, he's, to me he's a saviour, he saved my life because he diagnosed my, my mouth cancer in the space of 10 seconds, confirming that of course and that was a biopsy, but he was an expert, he had one look at it and knew instinctively that was mouth cancer and knew instinctively because of his experiences, what had to be done that to stop that? And that's what the people in that who have 
sales of motor cars have got to be diagnosed quick by an expert. But follow that up and that with a surgery. Even in the short space of time waiting for surgery, but I didn't do it at that time because I had no idea what it was. I could have went straight to Mr. Carton's diagnosis to the Maggie Centre, not to the support group, and spoke to the spoke to the people in here. The staff in Maggie's over here at Moulton's consisted nurses with an absolute wealth of experience. An absolute wealth of experience. They have been working inwards with cancer and that was the main problem. They have first hand knowledge of the work in that area. But also because they help and assist in that in running the cancer support groups, they can sit down and counsel on the one-to-one. Prior to your prior to your operation, prior to any surgery, and tell you what to expect. So perhaps the shock that I had when I went for my surgery wouldn't have been as big a shock in that at the time had I been visited at Maggie's head and support group who may have been able to tell me to prepare for something big, you know, that may have helped me. But I believe this particular group we're talking about, that was 2015. I think this particular group that I'm in only assembled itself in 2015. I was fortunate to be one of the first members of the group in a way, so uh, I benefited from there, but people now would benefit even more because the group exists before their diagnosis and not the other way about. That's really interesting, yeah, thank you Jim. And I guess, would you encourage people to seek out Maggie's, seek out support before as soon as they can after they've been diagnosed? Yes, that's, 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 I, as I said, once, once you have been diagnosed or even examined by the doctor, if a doctor of any sort says, that doesn't look good, what's in your mouth doesn't look good, they may not be saying that is cancer, but they'll be saying there's something that has to be looked into, something that has to be investigated. If there's any worries at that time, go ahead and, that and visit Maggie's then, even before the diagnosis. Prepare yourself for that, because these people are professional. They, they can tell you exactly that what they expect. They'll tell you that they can do nothing for such times as you uh, see a consultant and have a professional examination, followed by a biopsy if possible, to confirm if it is cancer or not. So there's no harm in going, supposing it turns out not to be cancer, you're fortunate if, it, <laughs> if that is the case. There's no harm at all not to go and have the weight taken off your mind by speaking to people who know all this. And that's where the knowers are, the knowers manage, they're in here and in mines. And then, of course, the group itself, actual patients, the ex-patients, the support group members, once they're inside them and their partners, 
all sorts of questions can arise. Any question that's in the head, I'm sure somebody else has thought that somebody else will have an answer to some sort. So the help is there. So I would recommend, don't try and do it alone. If you try to take all this on in yourself, you will get so down and depressed that will have a negative effect on that on your illness, whatever that turns out to be. So be positive about it, face up to it, and get all the help in that to turn it into a positive move. I really like that. And then if you could describe Maggie's in three words, three words would you use? Three words. They are so warm, so kind, and so, so helpful. Right. Kind of and is there anything else? I'm oh, sorry, you the go. Staff, I've got to know the staff on the one to one. I know all their names, I know all the ladies, like the nurses that are there. And I've got admiration for the qualities. They are lovely people. They are gifted. They're gifted human beings. They've got a warm presence about them. All their education, their knowledge, their ability not to listen to you and then to offer the best of advice. They are so good. They are so good. Um, each and every one of them, I, I, cannot, I cannot say I've met one as anything other than terrific. That's something I feel about. They really are the best of people. And, supportive. And, I, and if you, I, we're sort of reaching the end of the interview, although I could talk to you all day, but is there anything that we've missed that you wanted to touch upon? Is there anything else you wanted to mention, particularly around kind of being this mouth cancer action month coming up? Too many, too many people like myself in the past know nothing about mouth cancer. They don't understand that it can happen to anyone, absolutely anyone. One of the first questions a person asks when they have mouth cancer is, why me? Why did it happen to me? And this then is the first two questions a person will ask you is, are you a smoker? Well, in my case, I said no. Because smoking is obviously, even to a person that's not in the medical profession, a well-known accelerator in the act of cancer. It invites cancer into all sorts of areas of the body, mouth included. And the second question you ask then is, do you drink alcohol? And in my case, I say, no, don't think. If I took out years, probably 25 years ago, probably at least, was the last time I drank. So, the medical profession in my case couldn't turn around and say to me, 
by my mouth cancer. But what they did say is, there are changes, there are changes in that within yourself that can happen over a period of years, decades in fact, and it does not turn into cancer until years down the line. People who have habits such as drinking and smoking especially tend to suffer from mouth cancer much more because that seems to accelerate this distortion of the cells and that into cancer itself. So it's a case of just because you don't smoke or drink or because you, know, you don't do anything negative, none of us can 100% say we'll never get mouth cancer. That's the biggest lesson I've learned. Point is, be aware that it can happen to you. And knowing more about it, perhaps if the public in general knew more about it, um, it could help in that when people be more aware of it and more ready in that to do something about it. That's how I feel. I think that's such an important one, isn't it? Because there is definitely an association with, well, I didn't know drinking, but certainly smoking. There's um, uh, that preconceived idea. So it's, it's definitely a really important message that anybody can get it. And it doesn't matter what your lifestyle choices are. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. Thank you, Jim. Um, is there anything else before we finish up? I think we've had a good chat um, and I think we've got lots of content that um, that we can use so thank you so much. Um, One more thing that I've got to say because my partner who has been with me all through this from the diagnosis right till today has had to resume my recovery not just in Judith it's a small recovery all the way. And every interview I've had with a doctor of the medical profession regarding my health, she insists on attending. And I am so grateful that she does. Two sets of ears are better than one. If the shock of hearing something puts me into limbo, she can pick up some of the stuff that is said that I can't. Well, that's just a small slice of how important it is for the partner to support the person who's diagnosed. And that's all I'd like to say there. She sounds like she's been very supportive. Sounds like an amazing lady. Well, thank you so much, Jim. That was really, really good. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I wish I could talk for longer. I wish we could just sit here all day and have a chin wag. For more information about mouth cancer, you can go to mouthcancer.org. You can also visit the Mouth Cancer Foundation's website, which is mouthcancerfoundation.org. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about Maggie's and all the help that they provide cancer patients, you can go to maggies.org to learn all about them. Thank you, Jim, for providing your story, and thank you to you for listening.